Okay, I just I just had to check this. Dustin Penner has tweeted 129 times today. That's all you really need to know, eh? <laughs> today? Yeah. Awesome. That's in the last 24 hours. Now I'm including retweets. But still. I mean, his retweets are pretty amazing too. Yeah, they really are. Uh What's the most recent retweet? I'll bless that man. Oh, his most recent retweet is if you're laughing at your political opponents being canceled, you're the fascist. So was That's that JD or was what? that? <laughs> 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 All right. I'm ready to go if you guys are. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, that, that could have just easily been a cold I'm open. Confused that is going to be a cold open. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, I didn't know you were recording. I'm so confused oh, why yeah. Dustin Penner on Twitter is Dustin Premsing Penner. Like he's just he's just expressing his support he's... for Calistani independence. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is I mean, why so that I... is really cool and really funny. <laughs> this this, this yeah. is why I can't come completely against them. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of Roxy Fever. I'm your host Jackson McDonald. With me, as always, it's Vyasaran and Elliot Hoyt. I am four blocks away from Elliot right now, but. Once again, draconian laws. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean yep. uh, <laughs> uh, we, we can't. Be- uh, apologies, listeners, for our long hiatus. I had some stuff I had to do in Washington, D.C. Um, it's not really important what, uh, but it kept me pretty occupied for particularly the last few days. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was weird when you asked to use Patreon money for private jet. But yeah, I mean, it's not important. Um, regardless, uh, how are you guys doing? Since it's been a while since we've actually talked, uh, it's Capricorn season. Yes. Um, yeah. Happy birthday, Vias. Yeah, happy, happy birthday, birthday Vias. Thank, thank you, everybody. Um, it's it's been real good. Uh, I learned that uh, the university police almost had a file on me. Uh, oh yeah, that rocks. <laughs> Don't. I won't get too far into that story, but just like made my fucking day when I heard this. They, you can, people can dm me we, yeah <laughs> not to give not to give too too much away but if i went there they would have a file on me too i guess <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah um so yeah uh and i just jumped home um students are allowed to visit home i actually disagree with that policy but, but I, I waited for christmas and new year's to be over yeah and for the numbers or like to see what the numbers were like and yeah um, back home, chilling with the nephew. Um, just having an all-around good time. Thank God school was out for an extra week, so I'm ha- I'm having a good time out here. How about yourself, Elliot? I'm doing pretty well. Just biding my time until whatever Aquarius season is. I don't know this astrology stuff very well. I think uh, that's the next one. I'm not certain though. What's that? I, I think, said, I think that's the next, the next one. one. It is the next one because that's like oh, my yeah, birthday. Right. My birthday. Yeah. Is. When, yeah, When's your so. birthday? Uh, the 25th. Oh, weird. January? Yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't yeah. know you guys are so close together. Anyways, this is yes. not interesting to anyone but us. Um, <laughs> I'm fine doing better than I've done in a while, thank God. Um, but it's uh, this is our last episode uh, before ever starts. Yeah, ever. Fuck. Thank God. No. <laughs> um, and uh, do you know how many hockey movies you have left to review? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, it's it actually feels pretty weird for hockey to be back because I had all these plans for more off-season content and uh particularly you know with COVID and stuff and there not being much to talk about but all of a sudden there's going to be actual hockey to talk about and folks i'm not sure if i'm ready for that emotionally (laughs) yeah this went too fast like i felt like like a month ago we were all freaking out about how good fucking who's that st louis player ah i forgot his name 
but the guy was dominating us. Tarasenko? Like I, uh, Ryan O'Reilly? Uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I swear that like last time I turned on sports radio, that's what was being discussed. Last yeah. time I listened to anything sports related, that's what was being discussed. I literally feel like this is the exact same thing as the lead up to the playoffs. Which yeah. I, I, like, I was struggling with that for a second because it literally feels exactly the same and like that thing never happened because this is the same thing again. Yeah, absolutely. It does feel very strange to be talking about a full quote unquote season, quote unquote, that is going to be happening under these COVID restrictions and new divisions and all of that. And so, I mean, I guess I the what I'll start with before I get into our actual thoughts on, you know, the hockey that is happening is just to ask you guys like, how are you feeling about hockey coming back, about the Canucks being back, about there being hockey to talk about on the podcast? Is this a positive thing? Is it a negative thing? Are you just ambivalent? Um, how are you feeling? A thought off the top of my head is that now that it's winter and comparing this to how it was in the summer when the playoffs were on, uh, it just like it gets pretty bleak pretty quickly during the day. And mm-hmm. having the juniors on has been really good for me. Like I, I love having something to tune into now. Um, and now that's over and I'm really stoked that hockey is about to be back for that purpose. Like I'll have something to pay attention to, um, outside of stuff. Whereas in the summer it was like gorgeous days and I wanted to hang out outside instead. Yeah. And you Um, could actually still see people back then too. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, because like I was seeing my parents over the summer during the wild series and like, we just set up a projector in the backyard and watched it. That Mm. rules. Yeah, like I was, I was going over to, I was going over to JD's, and sometimes Justin was there uh, for, for for reasons I think everybody knows why he wasn't there after a certain point. Um, but like that was so much fun. I was like watching hockey at friends' houses. Like, geez, like I'm not gonna be able to do that for probably even in Victoria, probably for a long time. Yeah, that's so, true. I but but I am happy though that uh, like I'll have something to do in the evenings. Yeah, yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I know for for me, the past like, particularly sort of since like Christmas, since the end of Christmas, and uh, so basically like the past week and a half, uh, I've been very uh, like I haven't had any obligations other than work, and that's been really that's been hard on me in the sense that like it just means that when I come home, I just have a tendency to just like smoke up and then kind of just do nothing like Mm. like i'm only doing things when i'm at work only talking to people when i'm at work and it definitely like just that wears on you it does yeah Yeah, it does wear on you like and that's the best way to put it right Mm. um and so if nothing else like i'm just kind of excited to have something to focus on and something else to to think about and talk about um i'll also ask you guys not to uh we don't have to spend a lot of time on this but i'm just curious to see what page what kind of page we're all on but like so we're all happy it's back should it be back is my question (laughs) can i pass i don't know like yeah what do you think elliot i feel like there's probably reasons why it shouldn't be back, but be, those are all reasons that are just so far downstream from how we could have dealt with this so much better. Yeah. My answer really just would come back to like, we should be Taiwan. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like any of the COVID zero countries, like, yeah, would have been better. And so like any criticism, like the NHL being back, it's like, okay, but there's like 50 things higher up in this list. Yeah. And if you had done those, then it would be fine. Yes. I think yeah, that's an the- entirely fair thing to I think it's the answer to that question maybe the correct answer to to that question is similar to the answer to the to a lot of questions is that we all have right now about a lot of different things which is basically should this be happening is it good that it's happening is the precedent that it sets happening one that we want to live by no but also in the grand scheme of things to get mad at it's just not really worth it to get mad at because there's so many other worse things. Like the NHL can operate a lot more safely than say like my current workplace. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard to be like, it's kind of like, well, if I have to be at work, there might as well be hockey for me to watch. Yeah. Like all restaurants should be closed. (laughs) All malls should be closed, but hockey should still be on. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. That's the funny <laughs> thing is that it's like, is that ultimately, you know, hockey is a lot safer than a lot of other things. And while I think there's a strong case to be made about like messaging um, and, and what it, the kind of effect that, you know, telling people that they can't do this, but these people can do that. And the, you know, how much that wears on people, but ultimately like they can do this pretty safely and, you know, I'm not going to waste any energy being mad about it when it's already happening. Yeah, exactly. Guys, if um, we incorporate as a podcast, then technically we can all record in the same place, right? That's true, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm almost certain that that's true. um, I I should not do that, though, for tax purposes. Um, uh, I guess with that out of the way, the, the only thing left to address is um, Elliot, I'll ask you first, because sure. even though Vias didn't talk uh, actually that much on our call with PJ, you were the one who Thanks for filling in for you, Vias. You weren't there for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because you weren't there, I'll ask you first, like, how are you? What What's your overall like feeling towards the, the Canucks this season and how they're going to fare in this uh, bizarro Mickey Mouse uh, Canadian, ass, division. Canadian division. Yeah. Okay. So I think the Canucks, I think they'll be more fun to watch than last year. Fair. Um, I also think the other big thing is that they are going to take a little bit of a step back, I think. And I, the main reason I think this is because uh, having lost, like they were almost on the way out of the playoffs when they acquired Pearson. Uh, and Tofoli, you mean? Yeah, sorry, Tofoli. Yeah, same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. They both played for the Kings at the exactly, same person. Yeah. Um, when the Canucks traded for Jeff Carter, they were nearly out of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> when the Canucks planted drugs in Mike Richards' yeah. <laughs> suitcase. Yeah. Um, no, I think they lost something under their forward court, and then I also think on their defense. I kind of think that they got stronger in an area that they already has have as have as a strength and weaker yeah. in an area that they have as a weakness. Mm-hmm. The Canucks defensive core, like Myers is much maligned, but his strength does come from his offense. He's not in great defensive presence. And like Edler is still apparently almost as good as he used to be offensively. Yep. He's falling apart defensively. Yeah. And so they got stronger on the offense and weaker on the defensive side of things. I think that's, 
like it's kind of a limiting factor at this point, especially because they downgraded a goal. So I think, you know, they'll take a small step back. Maybe Elias Pedersen Quinn Hughes somehow find like another level and somehow overcome all of this. But I think they finish outside of the playoffs. Interesting. Okay. What about you, Vias? I think a good way to sum up what Elliot says is that we're going to be more West Coast Express than ever before. <laughs> and Vias cannot be happier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's bringing us back. Uh, Jim Benning is officially a Roxy Fever listener. Um, I mean, our goaltending, like, I mean, Pat, um, you'll, you'll hear him say it later on, but our goaltending is, there's still a high potential for it to be great. Um, but yeah. you can't expect it to start off as good as it was last year with Markstrom. Um, so the goaltender is a little bit more shoddy. Um, one thing I have been curious about, though, is with uh, Hoglander, which we can talk about, um, Hoglander, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. will, yeah. will, uh, next apology segment will, will, by then we'll figure out his pronunciation for his name, <laughs> um, cause it looks like he's going to be on the team. Um, and I had no idea that that was going to be the case until this week. The top six are, are like, basically, I think the Canucks will pr- probably be really great on the power play. And there's probably like ways that we can squeak out in the way the West Coast Express did a lot of wins, but, I do think they're going to be worse. There's not going to be a play in this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, two things that I'm kind of jumping off on here is one is it's weird that our defensive core is more offensive than it probably ever has been before, but uh, certainly it, in certainly it, under this regime, it's, uh, it's not even uh, debatable in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely I mean, 2011 would obviously been more offensive, but I don't think 2011 was unbalanced like this one is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I that's, think that's, that's what you the mean. thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's unbalanced and the defensive side of thing, I mean, unless Travis Hamanek really shows up uh and really is like another ten out but slightly younger, then I am pretty concerned about that, especially with like a lower tier goaltending tandem right now, technically. Right. Um and the other thing is that I'm I was wanted to ask this to Patrick, uh, but I'm kind of would like to pose a question to you guys: mm-hmm. Is did the Canucks catch a break with the division they have this year compared to hmm. whether they would have been in the Pacific Division or like comp- yeah, com- like what if we were in the Pacific Division uh, or the Canadian one? Which which one would have been possibly an easier run? And, and I was surprised to hear that Montreal was probably like going to do as well or like may do pretty well this year. And so yeah. I was going to guess that the Canucks were going to be pretty like favored this way around. But like the only difference is that like with the Pacific, you lose Toronto, Montreal. It doesn't matter that you lose Ottawa, but then you gain LA, San Jose and Anaheim, all of which are teams in serious trouble. And yeah. the Coyotes. Yeah. So that's I think four, not I think the Canadian division right does now. make things harder. Now, interesting. That's an interesting, um, I feel like but this is a hot take, but okay. But, but Vegas was <laughs> no, in, I, I, in, I agree. You're right, right? Vegas. So, so I, what I see this as is I personally, what's behind Toronto, what's behind Vegas? I think personally that this Canadian division is the easiest of the divisions that exist right now. Like, yeah, uh, okay. I think it's the, the easiest division yes. to make the playoffs in. I think it's 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 not that it's um it's not the weakest division because actually as we discussed with Patrick like it's uh spots like 2 to 6 are basically 
jump ball. Like it, yeah. it could be anybody. Um, All the teams have like a serious strength and like a serious flaw. Absolutely. But, but none of the teams in um, none of the teams in the Canadian division are as good as Vegas. Like Vegas was a now that now that the let's say obviously with the caveat that obviously there's no, no such thing as a guaranteed win or a guaranteed loss in the uh, in the NHL where talent is fairly evenly distributed. Like basically what I see is the Canucks traded like a series of very favorable matchups with Ottawa for a series of very unfavorable matchups against Vegas. And that the rest of the division is about the same quality. Um, Particularly because I have a feeling that San Jose is going to take a step. I have a feeling that they're going to rebound a little bit. I don't think. Yeah. They're not as bad. They're not as bad as they looked last year. Uh, And LA and Anaheim are both improving. Um, Yeah. Having said that though, like it's obvious that Winnipeg, um, like uh, Winnipeg, Calgary and Edmonton are better teams than those teams, but they would have faced Calgary and Edmonton in the Pacific anyways. So exactly. Right. right. Yeah. So uh, you asking me if they, you asking if they lucked out uh, by being in this division, I think they've done nothing but luck out since the start of COVID. Like I Mm. think that they lucked out by um, I think that they lucked out in terms of making the playoffs when COVID happened. I think they lucked out in terms of some of the deals that they were able to swing. Um, since COVID started. And I think they lucked out with this division and I think they lucked out with a shortened schedule. I think that benefits them too, because Mm, yeah, I think with the the travel, the the Canucks, the thing that you worry about is those last 20 games. Usually now, of course, every team is going to be balls to the wall immediately for the whole season. So it's tough to account for that. And it's tough to account for what it's going to be like playing the same team like five Constantly. games in a row yeah. and just play or just in general playing only the same six teams over Which, and over again. Going back to a previous point is going to be really fun to watch. It's going to be incredibly mm-hmm. fun. Um, Guys, but, I have an idea. Yeah. If we ever take over the team as owners. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> we, with you so far. We, yeah. Yeah. So we get rid of our politics. You might not be with me there, but, but, but wait, hear me out. Okay. We orchestrate lockouts every year. For uh-huh. half the season, oh, so man. the Canucks always have a shortened schedule. Ooh. Yeah, I don't mind it. I think it's a good idea, Elliot. Honestly, I think the forty-eight game schedule is way better than the eighty-two game schedule. <laughs> agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, this is see. This it is just the, raises the stakes on every single game, and this so is much, why, and it's less of a slog to watch all of it. And I realize absolutely. that I'm biased by like. The 16, 17, 18 teams, which were a slog to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you can't make still, a coach another 82 games. It's so much more like dynamic watching a 42 game season or 48. Absolutely. Game season. For it's sure. A, for it's sure. a, um, it just goes to show you that, you know, sometimes the drive for profit is, uh, it, it actually, you know, ruins the quality of the product because, like, yeah, hockey is a lot better when there's less of it. Sorry. I'd rather watch 48 games of this and 48 games of, like, Moto or yes. something than 82 yeah. of the end. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe not that, but, 
you know. Sure. I get what you're I get what you're saying. Yeah. Folks, if you have any Swedish listeners, please send us moto jerseys. hundred percent. Any one. moto merch whatsoever. Oh god. There's used to be a guy who had season tickets to like the mid two thousands games of a red Naslin moto jersey. Oh that fantastic. Oh that's pretty sweet. So yeah. um I guess I'll I'll with um I, I, Elliot, you mentioned that you think they're going to finish just outside the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. What about you, Vias? Um, I think they'll squeak in. Um, I Montreal just keeps exploding every year. Um, and like outside, like Edmonton and Calgary, I'm okay. Calgary, I'm actually I am pretty worried about Edmonton. I think I, Calgary definitely got better for this year. Absolutely, the Canucks got better position for the future and Calgary's much worse position for the future. Yeah. But I think yeah. for like next season, the Canucks are a bit step back and the the flames a step forward. Yeah. Um, Edmonton, their defense is going to be much worse this year. Like one of their major guys is gone. Right. Um, yeah. Winnipeg. Although they also brought in Barry. Oh, right. Well, like that, so you're going to be even more of a glass <laughs> cannon. It's again, going to be amazingly yeah. fun to watch 10 games of this. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. Fair enough. Um, so okay, yeah. So I think I think they're gonna probably squeak in. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm really stoked for this fucking division. It's gonna be insane. Honestly, I am pretty surprised by how positive an, of an outlook I have on the Canucks season because yeah. I look at the way things have have shaken down in terms of all the divisional changes. All of the the schedule shortening, the um, way that they navigated their off season, and it's kind of the 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 only real place that I see a real issue is in is in goal, right? The obvious interpretation of what happened to them in net is that they went from an MVP caliber goaltender to two guys who like struggled to well didn't even struggle we're nowhere near league average last year when you look at their mm. their overall save percentage notwithstanding you know not not accounting for the fact that um demko was amazing three playoff games or whatever that he played so um, yeah yeah and then like the lay fan maybe is like excited about demko is like oh he was so great in the playoffs he wasn't good in the regular season always no, the wasn't. regular season and he can't get into the playoffs yeah, exactly. Without a good regular season record. Yeah, and it's and like one of those things where play-ins this year. So yeah, and and it's one of those things too where it's like, was he? Why was he good in the playoffs? There's so many reasons that you could come up with that are not going to be recreated in the regular season, right? So obviously that's the that's the biggest question mark. But at the same time, I think you can very easily make the case that like, well. Jacob Markstrom was no good before he got before he paired up with Ian Clark. Mm-hmm. You it know? didn't even and happen so right away. It didn't, but and Markstrom was way younger than Holby. Yes, of course. Not. Yeah. I mean, uh, I yeah. I know I'm just saying the a sides of this, but yes, no, ab- absolutely. I'm just I'm just making a case that like goaltending being as voodoo as it is. Yeah, I definitely think Holby will be much better than it was last year. Yeah, I, I have honestly no idea, and that's really it is. It's such a cliche, but it is just going to come down to goaltending because I look at the rest of the team. I look at the forwards and, okay, yeah, you lose to Foley. No one really knows what's going to happen with Hoaglander, but the forward group looks more or less the same as the one that got them into the playoffs last year. Like 
even accounting for Toffoli, they didn't have Toffoli for most of the season. Yeah. They were doing reasonably well on defense. The depth got worse, but I actually think you can make the case that their defense overall was upgraded. The margin there is not a large one, Um, but I think, you know, Edler or not Edler, sorry, uh, Schmidt is it, it, it. You can look at it any way you want. Who's upgrading on who? But Schmidt is an upgrade on either of Tanev or Stetcher. He's a huge upgrade on both those guys. Like he absolutely their second best defenseman. And there's second- so uh, I have a question about the defensive depth. Um, mm-hmm. I look, I don't know the names of the guys well who are yeah. like below six or like the young guys. I, yeah. I'm Breezebois, Rafferty. Yeah. Yep. Are, those are all defensemen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Chatfield, like yeah. that, they're a year older now or however much older. Um, and I hear their names more often. Like, yes. Maybe we haven't increased our depth, but our depth is kind of more like readily available to draw on now. Yeah, the the Canucks have like a a very the the their bottom pairing is still very much up in the air, but yeah. their list of guys who could credibly like their pool of guys from which to draw a credible NHLer got larger, right? Yeah. Because it's that's that's the sort of thing with like um I guess what I'm getting at here is like on defense, they addressed like their biggest need, which was to have some kind of offensive defenseman other than Quinn Hughes in mm-hmm. Nate Schmidt, yeah. who I would argue is like, he's sort of a two way defenseman. Like he's not a pure offensive defenseman. I call him a two way defenseman, but what he really is, is he's like a, a defenseman that puts up pretty good defensive results because he tends to keep play away from his own net. So he's not a guy who's like really good at in zone play by any means, but he has a strong defensive impact. This, this is reminding me of the old conversations I used to listen to on the hockey graphs podcast about the difference between defensive impact and defensive value. Um, and Schmidt is a player with a high defensive impact. Um, whereas like Tanev is a player with a high defensive value. Um, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. Schmidt, that's an upgrade on whatever fucking defenseman you want to decide. And I think realistically that if you look at Hamannick and Tanev, it's a coin flip, which one of those guys is going to be better than the better this year. Honestly, like sure. Tanev was undergoing a harsh decline and yeah. they basically got, I'm sorry, they almost did exactly the same player for like, we don't know what the deal is going to be yet, but like a frack, presumably a fraction of the cost. Um, yeah. So the real, the real question is just kind of like, what is that depth going to look like? But the mm-hmm. difference now versus even a year ago is that the Canucks have options and more specifically, Travis green has options. Yeah. yeah. And personally, I think that Travis green is a guy you trust if given options. So that one one thing that's changed in terms of my perception of the team from where I was at, say, at the start of last season is that I feel like I can trust the coach to deploy his lineup, maybe not optimally, but close to optimally. Like I'm not handicapping how the Canucks are going to do by 10 to 20 percent because I expect the coach to do something stupid like, you know, 
not play offensive players with Bo Horvat or whatever. Like, yeah, like I trust I, 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 Travis Green quite a lot, and now they have options, and so it's mostly just going to be a question of like how many of the gambles that they took pay off. So is Holtby going to pay off? Is like how are luck going to pay off? Is you know n- potentially like having Niels Hoaglander in the lineup going to pay off? And if it does pay off, I think they can be about as good as they were last year, particularly because their competition has weakened. But these are big ifs because if Holtby is just has just like permanently turned into a pumpkin now, then they're they'll be the worst team in the division, you know, and that's what I mean about when I said to Pat um, that I'm like talking about it as if we're, we're not just about to play the interview, but um, you know, that's, that's what I mean when I say that I think there's a really wide range of potential outcomes here, but um, honestly, looking at the division, uh, they're not going to be, I, I find it hard to believe they're going to be better than Toronto. And I, am starting to buy Montreal as like probably a pretty strong team. But after that, like I see no reason to really strongly believe that the Canucks couldn't be the third best team in the division. Um, Well, I have a thought. Yeah. The Eastern teams are going to have to travel more than they may have ever had to travel before. Yep. Like more consistent. I mean, I guess like doing it series wise with like the home and home and homes, kind of thing like or road and road and road like yeah is probably going to cut down on the amount of you know late night flights that these teams have to take but it's not often that toronto is going to have to be on west on the west coast time zone you know that's like, true no it, I, yeah don't know how that's gonna that's gonna fly but i take a look at the entire situation and i just think there are a lot of factors you can't can't, can't account for and things like intangibles coaching um stuff like that are going to matter more yeah and i tend to think that all of that kind of goes in the canucks favor because we know at this point that like travis green is pretty good at exploiting weird circumstances Mm -hmm. and so i i think honestly what i what i lean towards is i i i lean with vias like i think they're probably they'll probably I don't think they'll squeak in. I think they'll be solidly a team that is at the bottom of the playoffs. If that makes sense. Like I do think that's an important distinction. The distinction between like a team that only just barely made it in and a team that is in like that seven or eighth seed, but was never hugely in doubt of making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of what I think they're going to be like. I think there's what there's seven teams in the Canadian division. Uh, the Canucks, true. I can. I feel like the Canucks will probably be the fourth team in that division. And like, is it four certainly. teams that make it from there? To the I playoffs? believe yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I I do think that they took a step back, but I also think that their results last season were so were just they hit the absolute ceiling of how good they could do with that team. Mm-hmm. And so the the step back could look quite dramatic because of how much they punched above their weight last year. Mm -hmm. But I actually think like in terms of the like underlying results, I won't be surprised if they're not that different or maybe even better um, because you get an additional year of development out of the uh, their younger players 
and um, I like their defense. I like the top end of their defense a lot more this year than I did last year, even if the yeah. depth is is really questionable. So then it just yeah. becomes a question yeah. of like, can you just play your good players for like 50 minutes a night? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and you definitely it's much more likely that you can in such a short season. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to ask about Travis Hamanek. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, and address that. <laughs> I have one more thing uh, to say about him. Awesome. Yeah. So in the Pat interview, we he covers uh, Niels Hoglander like immensely there. Um, so I want, but we didn't get to talk about Hamanek. Okay. For me, when I hear that a player gets signed on a part with uh, PTO professional Pro- tryout, professional tryout. Yeah, I didn't know what the P stood for. Um, that smells bad to me. Like, I just mm-hmm. assume that they're like, okay, this is a depth signing, like older guy who like really needs to show him that he's still got something in him. But like, I don't put much stock in that. But Travis Hamanek, younger than Tanev, um, has had some pretty good seasons in Calgary. Um, like, tell me, can, can you guys tell me what's going on here? Like, absolutely, I can. Yeah, yeah. Or, but Elliot, do you you might be able to explain this more succinctly than I can. Um, do you, can you, or should I cover it? I go for it. Okay. Yeah. So you may or may not have caught the news that like Mike Hoffman also signed a PTO in St. Louis. And like Mike Hoffman is also a player that like, like Mike Hoffman is is not a player that signs a PTO. He's a guy who signs like a five by five contract. Right. Right. Um, and so I don't, did you catch that or did you just, I didn't. No, I did not know that. Okay, I haven't so, kept up with other signings. And, fair enough. Uh, so I was, I was just surprised. Like, yeah. why are we excited about this guy so when it's a PTO? The, um, the, the reason for that is that PTOs this year, are because of COVID, are not like what PTOs have been in the past. Uh-huh. There's going to be cap relief that comes in at the start of the season when teams put guys on IR. But because of... Um, a series of weird like w- rules and loopholes that I won't bother explaining because it doesn't really matter. Um, basically, what's happening is a bunch of teams are going to get cap relief at the start of the season when they can put players on IR, but they have a they have an incentive once again for weird reasons that don't really make sense and don't matter. They have an incentive to keep to up until the start of the season keep their teams as close to the cap ceiling as they possibly can. Right. And so what's happening here is uh, Hoffman is one example. Hamannick is definitely another. And there's probably other examples, too. What's happening is guys are um, guys are signing PTOs with teams because the teams don't have room to give them the deal that they Mm -hmm. want. And so Mm -hmm. they, they bring them in on a PTO as a handshake deal to be like on day one of the season. When we put Michael Furland on IR, we're going to sign you to a real deal. And so mm-hmm. what in, in Hamannick's case, he is um, either from Western Canada or his wife is from Western Canada. He has some kind of ties to Western Canada and he only wanted to play Western Canada. So Vancouver, uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, those were his, his options. And so the Canucks, basically what happened is this is a player who would normally be too good to sign a PTO, but because of the circumstances signed a PTO as a handshake deal so that on at the beginning of the season, they can sign him to a real deal, which will probably be, I'm going to guess like a one year deal at 1.5. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Um, And so I think what's happened with Hamannick is that he is a, 
like a few years ago, Travis Hamanick was was held in higher regard than Chris. Hamanick. Okay, so this is like yeah, exactly what I was going to say about Hamanick yeah. is that the Canucks finally got a guy who'd be really sweet for them to have picked up in 2014. And I'm so glad that it was like Hamannick and not OEL or PK Subban. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> it's gonna be a one point, Yeah. Like a 1.5 or $2 million deal and not both either of those Alatraz contracts. Absolutely. No, like legitimately losing out on like getting Schmidt and, Hamannick for less than Stetcher and Tanev, right? Am I correct with, well, presu- we don't know what Hamannick's money is going to be, but like we can presume that Schmidt and Hamannick are going to cost less than Tanev and Stetcher, right? Or or at worst, roughly. I think same. about the same, but yeah, I'm also and, not looking it up. <laughs> and, um, and honestly, like they, na- they nailed that, those departures, like as much as I, I the, the the difficult thing with all of this that you can't lose sight of is the fact that like if they were smarter they could have brought in Schmidt Hamannick Schmidt and Hamannick gotten rid of Tanev and kept Stetcher as a third yeah, pair guy for sure which would have been great or you know or you could also ask the question of like would they have just been better off with Schmidt and Stetcher instead of Schmidt and Hamannick but regardless this being the way that they replaced both of those players is realistically like best case scenario versus what I was expecting going into the season. Yeah. Um, and I also think that COVID made them COVID and their own mistakes forced them to be financially responsible um, yeah. and that they wouldn't be under normal circumstances. But at the end of the day, like results are results. And um, I feel really good about their top four. Like I think, um, I think Edler Schmidt Hamannick and Hughes, whatever combo you end up with, is a really good top. Like that's a legitimately pretty good top four. It's it's the best top four they've had in quite a while. And then you can slot Myers in on the third pair, and then you know that's like five credible NHL defensemen. And yeah, after that, it's a disaster. And injuries Just don't look down. Could easily, yeah, exactly. Like this, that is the. They have gotten rid of like their number one most common source of injuries on the blue line. Though. Yeah, that's their that that is their like the the motto this season for the Canucks should be don't look down, because ultimately, if they can just get through these fifty six games without anything too weird happening, it looks like a team where the weaknesses are in the depth which is like preferable to having a team that has a lot of depth, but no high end talent. Right. So as long as they're in a position where they can lean on that high end talent on a given night, I like the Canucks probably better than I like any team in the division other than Toronto. Hmm. But I also know that feeling good, but I also know that only one thing has to go wrong right for, 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 for the house down. of cards to come yeah. crumbling down yeah but the thing was was that that was also true last year and that didn't happen so and yeah, last year felt like the first year it didn't happen in yeah. a decade and so it's yeah, easy year, to nothing went wrong it's it and it it, it says nothing about it, it it says nothing about how i like feel about their team building or their long-term prospects or whatever but like ultimately on like if i'm picking a team that 
who's going to win tonight, I feel pretty good about the the Canucks. As soon as I start factoring in those other things, it's very easy to convince myself that it's all going to come crumbling down really quickly. Mm -hmm. But this is the most positive I've felt about the Canucks going into any season with Jim Benning as the general manager. Now, of course, I, I think realistically what happened was I just undershot how quickly they were going to come back up by a year. Um, yeah. I, I just underestimated them last year for a number of reasons, but I, I'm not ready to say that, 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 that was a fluke. Like they, there are things that they can build upon from last year. Now at the same time, um, basically all their offensive players had way elevated on ice shooting percentages last year. So a regression could happen and they could find themselves back down at the bottom of the division. But the, the reality is I just don't like the Canucks are mediocre. So is every other team in the Canadian North division, other than the mm-hmm. Toronto beliefs, yeah. and, and the, except the Ottawa senators who are bad. So world's world's tallest dwarf or whatever, but like they could be that. I have a question for the both of you. Now, it's a hypothetical, really. Sure. Now, let's say that during a practice game, uh, two of the Canucks' bottom six forwards can do a fight in the middle of the game, mm-hmm. hypothetically. Sure. Would that change things if, you, if that were to happen for you? Let's, uh, let's say Adam Gaudet and Tyler Mott. <laughs> um... Why? Why are Why are you saying this? Okay. I mean, like because hold on, yeah. shut up. Because yeah. twenty minutes ago, that exact thing just happened. Okay, yeah, I figured that must be what you were getting at. No, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't. That doesn't change my. Um, that doesn't change. That doesn't change my actual opinions, but it makes it way funnier to advocate for Adam Goddard to be in the lineup. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly. I, I, while you were talking, I tweeted. They're just fighting over which broadcast episode guest is the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, um, I don't know. I uh, I think that it's one of those things where you're you're you really are not going to have any idea how things are going to go until like after the first week. But um, yeah, it's not that I. think really highly of anything the Canucks are doing. It's just that I do not. There's nothing else in the Canadian division to be worried about. I Mm -hmm. I feel if somebody asked me, like, are the Canucks good? I would say no, but then I would also say that about five of the seven teams in the North Division. Yeah. Yeah. The general consensus seems to be that that two to six spot is going to be wide open. And what I'm saying is for the first time, in the team's like for the first time in Jim Benning's tenure, I'm willing to say like, why not them? If it's, yeah. if it's a coin flip, yeah. like sure. Fine. Yeah. All right. Um, well, yeah. On that note, um, Patrick Johnson of the province was kind enough to join us for his takes on the up- upcoming season. And uh, it was a really fun, um, very informative interview. So why don't we, uh, why don't we get into that? This is the part where you guys say, yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. Let's no, do let's it. Do let's get a pro on. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the big whooshing sound as we transport. Yeah. Yeah. He was waiting for the cut sound that happens in the edit. That's so funny. Yeah. All right. Joining us now, you know him as a longtime Vancouver sports reporter who currently covers the Canucks beat for the Vancouver province. It's our friend Patrick Johnson. Patrick, how's it going? My goodness. Am I really a long time? 
sports reporter now? I mean, drive in my life. Wow, like turning forty in two months. This is how you're. This is how you're letting me know. Like, don't look a day over thirty-eight, Pat. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you're welcome. I can see no, you right now. You're you, uh, behind the wheel of your car. Uh, I hope you got the car fire on the recording. Oh, you didn't. No, I actually did get the car fire on recording. I don't know if we have the context for the car fire, but you just drove past a car that's on fire. <laughs> I don't know. There was a slowdown. There were a couple of fire fire trucks, and then uh, and then there was a uh, several uh, firefighters investigating what appeared to be the front end of the car. So oh, I wow. guess the car was on fire. Not as exciting as some car fires have been. Yeah, certainly not if you're from Vancouver and remember some things that happened around, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. Less. But guys, I walked past the police cars that were on fire. Well, really? Uh, by, right, really? By, by the, yeah, by the Queenie, by, behind the Queenie was theater there. Yeah, like I, it was crazy. Like I was, you know, I mean, those, those days I was, I hadn't become a journalist yet. I was a teacher. I was, you know, watched the game with a couple of buddies and uh, we said, I don't even know why, but we're like, well, Maybe we should go see what's happening. And we walked like the bus. They, they closed the SkyTrain already, right? Like there was no transit. Like, there wasn't anything you could do. And so we walked from like Commercial Drive, or something. Oh boy! And we ended oh up, boy. yeah, we ended up getting almost to. I think we walked over the Dunsmuir Viaduct and got to. Uh, I guess it would have been Richards. Yeah, and there was literally like, like they were literally reading the riot act. Like the police had a, had a, <laughs> had a, you know, there was a police wagon there and like they had a speaker and they were basically telling us everybody to go home. And that if you stayed a certain amount of time, like they were just going to start arresting people because like shit was going awry. That's and wild. It was wild. And, you know, it's one of those ones where it's like, you know, I think we all have, there's a certain part of society we accept, like you need order. And like there's certain things that you're like, this is weird, but you're also like, you know, obviously, there's a lot of like problems with policing. And yeah. So like in this weird yeah. moment, and then you, we were walking back, and we actually saw the RCMP um, riot squad like marching in because like they were gonna go like they were I guess going up Richard. So I guess we got to see more. So they were walking up Richards to like get up to Georgia to start doing what they do, and you're just it was just like surreal. You're like, What's going on? Anyway, we walked back around behind the Queenie, and yeah, there were, I think, two cop cars on fire, and you're like, this is weird, and yeah, it just sucked, like, the whole thing just, I get that, you know, and then you just start, you start thinking about what was going on, what it meant, you're like, this is, this is how people are reacting, like, it's just sports, and, like, people beating up their own city, and, you know, it, it was a weird moment, like, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, so since this is our last uh, episode before the start of the season, it stands to reason that uh, we should probably ask you some questions about the home team and uh, what's happened in the world of hockey in the intervening months between now and uh, you know when the playoffs ended. Because I, I think the type I, of Roxy Fever listener rock. has not been paying attention to anything <laughs> for the last uh, I don't know how many months, uh, but we, we threw our phones into the river after, after <laughs> Tampa Bay won. Yeah, you know, let's just say uh, hypothetically that uh, there are some listeners out there that maybe uh, have a podcast and they're supposed to pay attention to hockey-related stuff, but uh, 
But instead, they've spent the last few months talking about, like, Christmas movies and the Mighty Ducks or something. You know, for those kinds of people, not me, certainly, but what uh, have been the big takeaways from uh, Canucks training camp? Well, I mean, there's the obvious one that, you know, Neil Hoaglander has, like, showed up, you know, in in mid-season form because he is in mid-season in terms of the fact, you know, he got to play half a season in Sweden. Uh, even accounting for the fact that his team had a COVID outbreak. I don't think he had it, but certainly his team did. And so they had to quarantine for a while. So they were out of action for a while. But yeah, you know, he's he's an electric talent. Um, offensively, there's no doubt, I think, that he can play in the NHL. And now it's about whether, you know, he can get up to speed quickly enough with the way you got to play without the puck. Because that's a reality. That's just a matter of the fact. Uh, he's going to play with a Horvat, and you know, so you know, I figure you know they're going to play. They got four games right off the hop, and so you give it a week. You know, they'll have five games right away in the first week, and uh, you know, I I figure everyone will kind of be caught up to speed by then. So I kind of it'll be interesting to me how it plays out after that. Um, obviously, he handles all that. You know, what game he makes. but yeah, I mean, he's been the standout player. Um, you know, it's it's interesting still. You know, people want to think, oh, well, it's just as good as last year. And you're like, I, one, one, like, you can't deny how good Jacob Markstrom was the last two years. Yes. And, uh, you know, like, Thatcher Demko has huge potential. And Braden Holtby is a former Vezina Trophy winner and won the Stanley Cup. Like, like, he's been a very good goalie himself. Like, there's just absolutely no doubt that, like, the potential in net is very good. Um, you know, but they still obviously have Beagle and Sutter, and <laughs> it's just not a terribly efficient use of your depth forwards. And, uh, you know, the defense, like, oh man, there's a mess happening. There's a person in front of me with no idea what they're doing. I've just been trying to, like, not get involved with them. Anyway, um, this is Jackson when he's Jackson talking to me on the show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a bit like watching JD Burke live his life. It's very. Uh, <laughs> what is this guy doing? What is this guy doing? It's very on the edge. Okay, very on the edge. <laughs> so just kind of following from a glance, seeing all the stuff about that Hoglander. Usually, I'll see Canucks Twitter or uh, Canucks Reddit talk up a storm about a five nine forward. Like new uh-huh. forward, young yeah. forward, and immediately slot slot him in the top six, and I immediately don't trust that. I'm only kind of believing this after hearing you say this, or uh, just like today's news, really. Because um, I, yeah, I had no idea he was. I guess he's the real deal. Right? Well, he could be. I mean, we're gonna find out. I think. You know, in a normal season, he would have been playing in the AHL, and I, I think. Part of, part of, I think, where we're at with an understanding player and player development is that, um, you know, guys guys are so close now, like, when they're 20, 21, and they don't, there's not much more they really need to sort out, and if they don't, they won't. And, you know, so you look at a guy like him, and he's in the position now where it's like, normally he would have at least played in the AHL to start with. You know, I, I, you know, I, I the example I look a lot more and more at is you look at, say, when Ryan Kessler came in, into the Canucks. And so he spends the first half of the season in the minors, basically, and then the second half of the season in the NHL. 
And that was about a player who had the physical tools and, and I think, you know, honestly, the sort of mental awareness and needed to kind of get up to speed with the pro game because he'd been playing college, but had enough, figured out enough in half a season that putting him right in the NHL to sort of accelerate his, his, his development's the wrong word, but sort of fine tuning, mm-hmm. um, I think is the better word, you know, was just in the end, that was, um, this guy's cutting someone else off again. He's, still <laughs> he's hugging, he's like hugging the center lane or like the, the like white lane between the two lanes. It'd be so funny if the guy in front of you was Elliot. Just like, who is this asshole? This Elliot coming out from skiing. He literally has no idea. I don't, I don't know. This is the strangest thing. I mean, yeah, I don't even know. Hands free, everybody, this. by the way. I just want to be clear. Anyway, yes. no, but Ryan yes. Kessler, like his development curve was, you know, a, a sort of needed intermediate step and then he was ready. And, and I think Niels Holglander is that kind of a guy um, because he's been playing in the Swedish hockey league. And don't sleep on how good the Swedish hockey league is. Like, it, this, is this is one of the top non-NHL leagues in the world. You know, it's, it's you know, give or take at the level of the American hockey um, you know, a step behind the KHL. Like it's very good hockey. And of course, you know, Swedish Swedish hockey players for a very long time now have been immensely well-rounded, immensely gifted in terms of uh, their sort of next level understanding of how, where the game is now and where it's going in terms of, you know, just sort of skill development and that kind of thing. So, yeah, no, I mean, he could be very much that guy. I, I, I you know, we have, seen this happen before and it is a weird scenario because they don't get to play any training you know, preseason games it's only training game. uh, they're right into it next Wednesday you know they, we have seen it before where a guy looks like he's ready to go you know the team looks committed to him and then at the last minute they go with the sort of tried and true safe call which in this case is Louis Erickson <laughs> and you know it, it's it's it, it could happen like I wouldn't I wouldn't shock me if it, it if he did um, just because, like I said, experience tells us that coaches, I think mostly for good reason, tend to be a bit more conservative with decisions like this. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, to this point, you know, the, in terms of, like I said, the, his game readiness, the fact he's been in the middle of professional games. I mean, this is actually, this is the other thing too to understand. It's his second or third professional season. Like he was playing yes. in the SHL when he was drafted two years ago. So, wow. you know, you know, like this, I mean, which is how it should be. Like, again, like, like you want to go off about the NHL, CHL agreement, like, like, like Niels Hoaglander, if he were Canadian, would be forced to go back to major junior this year if he didn't make the Canucks. Like, it's just absurd. And yet Swedish kids can play pro hockey from when there's, you know, six, like legitimate pro hockey, not hockey that's pretending not to be pro hockey, but actually is because they just don't pay the kids. Um, yes. Yes. Right. So, you know, th- that's the thing. Like he's, he's, a, he's, he is a modern hockey story. Like, there's no doubt about that. And, and we'll see, I, you know, he's, he's got lots of, he's got great potential offensively. Um, and it's all about really whether he can hack it playing against top forwards and top defensemen, which is, you know, what Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson were assigned to do last year. And, and, and are, you know, in the end, good enough players that they're also going to be pulling top assignments against them when, when the time comes. And I think it would be based on what I've heard from out of trading camp. 
I think it's safe to say that there's a lot more to Niels Hoglander, or Hoglander, rather. That's going to be a problem for me. Hoglander. There's a lot more to the hype here than there has been in the past few years when it comes to players of sort of a similar situation and profile. Is that uh, fair to say? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, I think we think back to say someone like Sergei Shirokov, who, yes, that's exactly know, had a really, right? Like, and like, I think in a different circumstance, Shirokov might have stuck, but you know, if you and, and I think if Shirokov had been on a different team, you know, that, let's not forget how good, <laughs> yeah, the, the Canucks yeah. are one of the top <laughs> yeah. two teams in the NHL. You know what I mean? So, you know, he was a guy that that had huge potential. And certainly was close, you know. Was he his era's Reed Boucher? Maybe, you know. At the end of the day, maybe he just—that just literally was all he was sort of worth. But I, you know, so th- that's an important counterpoint, an important thing to remember. Like we have seen guys. I mean, literally, there's an assistant coach the Canucks have, Jason King, who for the really young viewers and listeners out there is a former <laughs> Vancouver Canuck who played with Sadies. But you know, he's a guy that had some early on success with the Sedines. And then um you know I don't I don't really know the ins and outs of the story, but you know, as it played out, uh essentially a scratched, you know, stress getting scratched halfway through the season, no longer playing the Sedines. And, you know, there's not a clear, I think, NHL utility to him at that point. And he never really plays in the NHL again. And, you know, I think that's that's that is a different era of hockey even even fifteen years ago. But um you know, that, that's an important one to remember as well is that, you know, that this, like you said, yeah, there's, there's, there's been many examples in recent Canucks history of players who looked like they were just about it and then just weren't. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, this isn't just a case of uh, somebody saying, you know, uh, Reed Boucher should get another shot in the top six. It's a guy with real potential who hasn't gotten half a dozen chances already and is on the verge of blowing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's a guy that's legit and he's 20 and, you know, the, the scouts were gushing over him when they drafted him. Jim Benning, I think once he kind of got a sense of who he was, has been gushing about him ever since. Um, you know, there's, there's every reason to think this guy is going to make it work. And I think that that's an important sort of new wrinkle to add into the Canucks and, as they sort of round the corner into being at least a team that's competitive, if not a eventually a contender, is that there's been an overhaul in the scouting department. Yeah. And we can now more or less expect them to graduate maybe one prospect a year, whereas for a long time, <laughs> the assumption was always that you couldn't look at the the prospect pool for depth uh, let alone for a potential top six player like uh, Hoaglander yeah which you know no matter how you write the storyline and and who's responsible for what um, you know that is something they got right over the last three three or four years right like they actually did figure out the kind of guys they needed and and you know the people who were tasked to do that were the right people Um, and that's like I said, you know, I mean, let's not rehash the Jed Brackett story. But as I said a year ago, you know what? Jim Brennan gets credit for that, right? Like he said, this is a guy, this is a guy that is in charge. And, he, you know, in the end, the boss gets the credit, um, you know, whether that's deserving or not is a different point. But in the narrative, it's Jim Benning's team and Jim Benning's, 
Jim Benning was hired to bring in kids and there's kids now on his team. So, you know, um, that was the whole funny thing, the whole thing I couldn't get about it. It was like, well, this was a point of success and now you're going to blow that up. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah. You know, like at least for now, the, you know, there's a cohort of, of young players coming through. Um, and some of them really are going to play. Like they're not just going to be, you know, Guillaume Brisebois and playing, you know, they're, they're, the sum total of their career is going to be 30 NHL games or whatever. Yes. You know, um, they are going to make a difference. I mean, you know, there's a couple other guys right now. And I've got a story that, I mean, we're talking on Saturday, but I got a story that you know went up and kind of looking at some of the taxi squad options realistically. But, you know, guys that are in the mix and, and you know, Sven Berchi obviously is one because of just his sort of veteran status. He's played in the league and really should be in the NHL. Um, but but I also look at Brogan Rafferty and Mark Michaelis, who are two guys that they signed as free agents. And, and, and they're, they look like they're on the cusp of actually playing an NHL game. We'll see how long it takes for Michaelis just because, again, there's Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter. But, you know, he's a guy that's close. He's, he's turning 26 and... And in the end, like, this is the finished product, basically. And so it's really about whether he can sort of, in the snap of the fingers, realize, okay, this game really is fast, and yes, I can do all this. And then Brogan Rafferty, who, you know, lit up the AHL last year. We know the guy can skate. We know the guy can can move the puck. Um, and it's to his own admission whether, you know, he can be a contributor defensively and consistent enough defensively Uh that the coaches keep turning to him. Now he's, you know, likely eighth or ninth on the depth chart at this point, but you know, that guy could play games. So, you know, there are, those are internal improvements that you need. Um, And, and, you know, you don't want to be running around signing guys uh, when there's no point because you have guys internally that are going to fill in gaps. And, you know, you found Pedersen, you found Hughes, which are the most important things to find. And you start from that. And then, you know, you bring those guys in and you start pushing people. The best way to build a team is to push guys down the lineup. And so you find a guy like Hoaglander. Well, he's, if it works out, he's pushed Jake Vertanen down the lineup. Now that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily a good thing for Jake Vertanen, but in a weird way, that's a good thing for the Vancouver Canucks because that means, you know, that's a, that's a pretty handy third liner. Now you shouldn't be drafting a third liner where Jake, Jake got drafted, but, but it's a sunk cost anyways. But yeah, but at the end of the day, here he is and he's going to play. Yeah. So, and if Hoaglander reaches a ceiling, then that kind of helps you make up for drafting a guy like Jake Vertanen at number six. A little bit. It's it's kind of doing it in reverse, I guess. Right? It is. But yes. It is. Yes. <laughs> but, you don't want to plan but, for you know, this. Yes. Yeah. It's and it's like let's be clear. Like in no way are we saying are any of us saying I think that this is like the perfect way to do a team. It's kind of a lot of it's kind of the long <laughs> no, way certainly around. Not. No, and, certainly. Not. And, you know, getting pretty lucky in a couple of circumstances. But, like, you know, in the end, the task was to draft and develop. And at this point, they look like they may actually start putting guys in the lineup with that, that fit the mold. So, you know, it's still not – it's far from a perfect team, and it's far from a Stanley Cup contender. Um, but it's a lot better than any of the teams that Willie Desjardins coached, that's for sure. Absolutely. And I think it's probably fair to say that this is maybe the widest range of potential outcomes – for this team that I feel like I've seen since maybe 2014, like... Yeah, I don't know if I'd say necessarily... I don't think their low-end is atrocious. You know? No. Partly no, because, I don't either. Partly, no, I don't either. Adam. Yeah, partly because of just, circum, you know, the context, right? Like, the, you know, the, Ottawa clearly is the worst team in Canada. Um, I, I worry about Winnipeg just because their defense really 
is nowhere near what it was, you know, even two years ago. Uh, even with Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers is not why they're bad, but, you know, certainly would, would fit in well on that group. Um, and, you know, so I'm not sure really where the Jets are. I mean, they do have Line A and they do have Pal Connor and they got Blake Wheeler and, you know, but then you just start looking at the rest of their lineup and you're like, yeah, it's good. It's an NHL team. It's fine. It's, you know, there are worse teams out there, you know, but I feel like they're kind of the trailing the pack a little bit. Um, obviously I, I'm, I'm, you know, I think everyone rightly talks about the Leafs and certainly obviously their top end forwards lead the way. I think they've done some interesting stuff revamping their defense. I'm not, I'm still not saying they're an NHL, or sorry, a Stanley Cup contender, but they're certainly, I think, the best team in Canada. Um, I really am a huge, I mean, I, Mark Bergevin is crazy and a lot of his decisions <laughs> are not the most sound. But I love Mark Bergevin because the guy makes 10 trades a year. Like, legitimately, if you look at his record, he's made, I think, averages nine trades a year since he's (laughs) been in charge. And he's just like, he is is the fantasy GM who just throws stuff against the wall to see what happens. And you know what? Some of those guys are really good at winning their fantasy leagues. Now, this is the NHL. So (laughs) that's not quite the same standard. But you know what? I like Mark Bergevin's aggressiveness. Um, His team isn't perfect either. They've but they're making some gambles on guys like Nick Suzuki. And those are the kind of gambles you should be making. Um, and, and I think the Habs really have solidified. I think they are the second best team. And I, so I think three, four, five, six, you know, is a bit of a scramble between, um, the Canucks, the Flames, the Oilers and, uh, and the Jets with the Jets, probably the worst of the bunch. I think the Oilers, of course, of course, having McDavid. I mean, we talk about Pedersen now. I mean, we do need to talk about Pedersen as an X Factor player. But you know, McDavid, you know, let's let's not in that discussion sleep on how good Connor <laughs> McDavid really is. And also, I think Dave Tippett, you know, what he did with that team last year was everything the Oilers have ever really needed, which was somebody to actually understand the strengths of his players and how to how to shape them into a much more effective two-way team. And that team, you know, they, they actually played in their own end in a way that they, they never did under Ken Hitchcock, never really managed. I don't think whatever Todd McClellan was trying to sell those players, they weren't buying. Um, and Dave Tibbetts seems to have connected with that. So I, I think, you know, the, I think the Oilers are certainly headed in the right direction, not super sold in defense, and obviously lots of questions in goal. Um, and then the Flames, you know, I mean, the Flames are... The Flames are an interesting bunch. I mean, it's, I don't know how happy everyone is in that in that room, um, but you know, if if Jacob Markstrom plays the way he's played here the last two years, I mean, I think that's going to build a lot of confidence in those players, and that will um, perhaps turn the story in a new direction. So we'll see. It's, but certainly the Canucks, you know, they're in the, they're rightly in that mix, and yeah, if it all comes together, it could actually be a really interesting season. And they could find themselves pushing for the top of the division. But, uh, you know, I think, I think, like I said, I think the Habs and the Leafs are a bit more certain than the Canucks are. Um, but certainly as a team, you know, I think it's, it's going to be, it's not going to be a boring year. And they're certainly not going to be, you know, throwing up smoke and mirrors the way they were, even in Travis Green's first season. It's, 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 they are moving in the right direction. Maybe not as fast as they should be, certainly because they, you know, they're going to burn out on, burn out the Pedersen Hughes ELCs. And that's their own damn fault, but yes. um, you know they're not. They're, they're certainly not. They're not a team that's going to feel like they're wasting their those guys' seasons. They're just not using them optimally. Yeah, and I think it's also 
impossible to really account for COVID, et cetera, what kind of effect that's going to have on. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that. yeah, I mean, that is the other factor in all this. And I mean, it, you know, everything we know about the Canadian teams is that they are, I mean, the environment, I mean, there is obviously a lot of, st- of people out there that are, are, um, are dealing with COVID. There's COVID in the community. It's a challenge. Um, but on the whole, I, you know, I think people are, I, I, I guess like what I'm trying to say is there's been enough people following the rules in the right places that these teams are going to be reasonably safe, uh, just alone. Like it's not like they're in Texas where there's people who just don't care. Yes. Or they're yeah, in Florida yes. where there's people who just don't care. Like they're obviously, you know, you hear stories like today, it's, you know, Saturday, I, I hear from my father-in-law who, uh, lives, uh, on the Canadian side of the Niagara River, which is the border between Southern or that part of southeastern Ontario and 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 New York and Buffalo, like no joke, Buffalo is you know five minutes from their house basically, even including the border crossing, and so the football stadium's fifteen minutes from their house. You know, of course, they haven't been there since you know last, you know like a year now, but they counted something like fifteen helicopters flying south, and presumably most of them going to the football game. So you know that just. <laughs> That tells you how seriously certain people in Ontario are taking things. And, uh, you know, so that might be a challenge, I suppose, if, you know, you're a Leaf and you live in downtown Toronto. Um, but I think on the whole, the Canadian teams, I mean, it just feels like they've been taking the rules seriously enough. And certainly having talked to the Canucks a lot about, you know, where they're at, they go out of their way to complement, um, you know, BC's public health authorities in terms of the direction they've been given. Um, and, and just sort of the, the sort of acceptance of what they're putting forward and sort of it's been the, you know, I, I, I mean, obviously they're self-interested because they want to play. Yes. But, yeah. You know, yes, yeah. you know, but, but they've been, it's not like they've been said, they've been told, well, you just do whatever you want. You know, they have very rigid protocols and, you know, JT Miller said it best on Friday. He says, it's not like the leash is very long, you know, like yeah. these guys get it. You know, there are going to be players who don't get it and certainly, I think can think of a couple examples here who've already, you know, had managed to do really well last year in, in all kinds of things. But, um, but you, you know what I mean? Like, I think at the end of the day, these guys get it and, 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 you know, the, the rules are harsh enough on them that, you know, that they have to pay attention. I mean, it was, it was last summer, I think we saw it that, you know, they basically said there were, they basically said that, yeah, why don't you, you could potentially facing, a violation of your contract if you don't yeah. follow the rules. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was enough for players to kind of clue in and get it saying, yeah, I can't, I can't screw around. I got to be safe. Yeah. And I would say generally I do trust at this point, the, the NHL to, and the players to be pretty reasonable about the whole thing. The playoffs went off pretty much without a hitch. So to some degree, they've earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to not necessarily whether or not hockey should be happening, but at least that it can happen safely. But even if no one gets it, it's very hard to account for the fact that, you know, all the changes that it's brought to the players and the teams having to play each other, you know, five times a week or whatever. So, Predicting what's going to happen this season feels like a bit of a fool's errand, if we're being honest. 
yeah, no, it's going to be upside down. I mean, that's probably probably should make that my, the last point because I'm going to have to run off. And yeah, no worries. Yeah, no worries. But uh, yeah, no, I, it, you know, I, I, in a normal season, I wouldn't be a fan of having. I, I just don't think there's the same energy of having the same team in the same town for two or three games in a row. But I think now that we know it, and that's the sort of the structure. It's 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 a bit of a, you know, it's kind of a glorified almost round robin playoff, really. Um, you know, 56 games is a lot of games in the end, but. Uh, in, in that format, but I think these guys are going to have a good time, and you know, especially once they start seeing each other a couple times in a row. Like, you know, I don't think next week's you know, there's going to necessarily be fireworks, but you know, say something happens in 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 Edmonton, you know, game three, game four, whatever. The next time they see each other, you know, I think that's when it'll all kind of pop off, and um, you know, it's just, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be good hockey, and you're gonna it's going to be really interesting, really interesting coaching challenge. I think that's something I'm going to be really interested in. In, in following and seeing how the coaches sort of adapt to each other and, and manage, uh, you know, sort of their own in-game tactics and the broader strategies they play. Yeah, fair enough. Do you mind if I ask you one more quick question? Yeah, one quick one. Let's go. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so setting aside the results that they had last year, which I think everyone would agree that they punched above their weight, or any reasonable person anyways, uh, are the Canucks better or worse than they were last year? Better or worse? Yeah. Well, I have, I have to go with worse because they're not better. Um, I think there's a case to be made they could be the same. It was interesting. I had an exchange with a Twitter follower the other day about this. And, you know, I, I basically the case requires you see you, the case requires Demko and Holtby playing as well as Markstrom did last year, which, you know, full credit to them is a huge, huge ask. Um, the, we forget that the team was, was, you know, a bubble team before they picked up Tyler Toffoli. And when they picked up Tyler Toffoli, you know, they were, they were, uh, you know, without Brock Besser. Now, Tyler Toffoli, I think, actually was an amazing fit for that lineup. And Brock Besser obviously never really was able to find his groove um, with the new lineup. But I still think that team was on the whole you know, was close. Like that was a team that had a lot going for it. Um, obviously Chris Tanev. I mean, I think Chris Tanev's tale is going to be interesting. Travis Hamanek, like he's, he has been a good player. He wasn't good last year. You kind of sit back and you go, wait, so the, so the flames ditched Hamanek so they could sign Tanev. So what does that mean? I, you know, like there's a, there's a logical thing to ponder there. Right. Um, you know, Chris Tanev, I think, I mean, in the end, the Canucks, I think, made the right big picture decision, whether it was actually the process, but the big picture decision on moving on from Tanev was the right one. They had to. They forced themselves to rip off the Band-Aid and move in a new direction. Nate Schmidt is a big addition, right? Like, he helps them. He's a defenseman they didn't have before, and I think him and Alex Edler are actually going to be a really interesting defense pairing. Um, and it also means you can, you don't have to overplay Tyler Myers. Like, I, 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 think Tyler Myers is fine. The price point is not great, but he he's a guy that's fine if you're handing him third pairing minutes. Like he was a pretty handy third pairing defenseman for the Jets um when he was younger, fair enough. But you know, he 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 you know that's fine and you know you levy like you know if all I mean Jordy Ben had a, such a tough year last year that don't you know all you levy standards to do better than that. That's not asking very much, but you lost Troy Stetcher, who was such a handy guy, not a, you know, obviously really a top four D man, but a guy that could pinch it, a guy that could play with Edler. 
um, and, and soak up some minutes for you. A pretty decent penalty killer. You know, so it's kind of, it's not an easy really answer, I guess. Um, but realistically, if you have to pick one, it's not as good as they were last year. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. I think, you know, Jay Beagle's older was one of, was terrible last year. Brandon Sutter is a good dude, had some good moments last year, but, you know, like, is he really, like, in the end, you're playing him as your fourth line winger. Like, this is your fourth line. The fourth line's not great. Um, Adam Gaudet, you know, there's still huge question marks about his defensive abilities. You know, we'll see what happens. Like, he, you know, credit to him for talking about his diet challenges. And I think in the long run, that may help him um, be a more effective athlete because mm-hmm. he'll actually be able to eat properly. Uh, but, you know, in the short term, that's not necessarily going to shake. Jake's Jake. Um, I think Antoine Roussel will probably be better just because he's finally getting his first full-on training camp ever with the Canucks. Yeah. 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 Um, well, not counting whenever it was, 2011, when he was in camp with them. But, um, you know, I mean, he'll be better. But, you know, it's it's one of those ones where, like, the young guys, Pedersen and Hughes are going to be great, for sure. Um, but what about when they're not on the ice? And that's always the question mm. mark. So, yeah. you know, I, I think there's still lots of question marks and... Uh, you know, in the end, I'm, 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 I'm just being cautious. I'm not assuming improvement uh, across the board. Well, defensive play for Godet may be a bit of a question mark, but at least we know he's a great Twitch streamer. <laughs> yeah, that was a great story. I really enjoyed that. I, I will say this. If people didn't see it, there's a really fun Adam Godet story for me about him. Yeah, basically trying to grow his fan, basically grow his fan base, but also looking, just connect with people. Try, I think trying to be a bit of a leader with people, you know, in community and, Try to you know re- recognize there's people out there that are especially in the past year have been having a hard time and yeah. just kind of wants yeah. to kind of you know share the love a little bit you know I think he's got you know charitable interests too it's you know he's trying to be a good person so totally all right well thanks for joining right, us we'll, we'll have, have to have you back on sometime when you're not literally driving to the ring because you're so busy we'll have and shoot the shit about Canucks history stuff for an hour we'll make it work we'll make it work. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Take care. Thanks for coming. Bye-bye. All right. So big thanks to Pat for that. Um, Amazing. Thanks, Pat. uh, He didn't get a chance to plug anything, but you can find him on Twitter at Rising Action. You can find his work at the Vancouver province, and I highly recommend uh, reading the article that he mentioned in passing uh, that is, I believe, his most recent article up there. So that would be Saturday about yes as of saturday um it's uh his article about adam godette's uh twitch stream that he's been uh been working on and uh just all the ins and outs of that it's very much like a roxy fever style uh piece of content and um i i i really recommend that everyone go read it because it's really good um so on a final note, just because, you know, we have to always address some kind of online bullshit that's happening. Um, I do just want to have a little bit Our of a friends at Red Scare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I do. Notorious Detroit Red Wings blog. Yes, um, <laughs> I do just want to uh, have a little bit of a laugh about some of the things that have happened over the past few days. And, and I mean, Realistically, there isn't that much of an NHL angle on it, but there are a couple of things that I did just want to mention and address. Um, I'm talking, obviously, about what happened at 
Capitol Hill a few days ago and the subsequent banning of the president of the United States from Twitter, which is honestly so fucking funny. Like, even if we just setting aside, like, whatever you think about the whole thing, it is so funny that, like, the you can basically trace the entire Trump presidency of, like, there was a takeover of the subreddit and then the mods interfered and deleted the guy's account. <laughs> and, that, and that was the history of his presidency. Uh, I had two things to say yeah. about that. Yeah. One, I'm so jealous of him to have all these websites ban him. Like, oh, man, know. the amount of time he's going to have to read. But it- <laughs> <laughs> he's going to read so many <laughs> Uncle John's bathroom readers now. I'm so jealous, man. His Goodreads account is going to be insane. Unless um, they ban him. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be fun. Wouldn't it be funny? It, what, what, what would be the funniest thing for Donald Trump's Goodreads account to look like? Okay, so the baseline, it will be very funny. It would be yeah. just like all just success win LinkedIn shit. Yeah, I mean, the like funniest thing would books. be if it, if it was just all his own books. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. Well, yeah. Five star books. reviews of his own books, yeah. And then one star review, or zero star reviews of all the books about him. There's just one five star review of um, Shattered, the book about the Hillary Clinton campaign, and then, and then his own books, and then like one just one star reviews of like particular issues of Vanity Fair from like the late 80s. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, um, wouldn't you know it? There have been some reactions within the hockey world uh, to this. And um, the first the first one that I want to address is just um, it's a thing that hap- that's I'm going to repeat myself, like based on kind of. Um, I'm going to repeat a lot of things that I said in the episode when the sort of um, anti-police violence protests were happening, which is just seeing people demand that like the NHL release a statement or that individual players speak up uh, about this. And why isn't that happening? And like, I just have to say, if at this point, like you're looking at these situations and going like, why aren't these giant corporations being taking a stand like you, you, you really need to just give your head a shake and maybe like start from the beginning and think about how what role they may have played in getting us here because holy shit man like if i have to see one more person who like still self styles themselves as uh some kind of like serious politics haver being like the solution to this problem is for the nhl to release a um some kind of uh, press release and, you know, for Twitter to ban people's accounts, then like I'm, I'm my head's going to explode. It's, it's driving me insane. And if you want his head to explode, please. <laughs> yeah. Continue Egg to do that, I guess. At fail son McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. So the other funny thing here is that, uh, Tony D'Angelo quit Twitter in solidarity with Donald Trump. Like, Thinking back on it now, I want to say two months after saying he wouldn't tweet about politics anymore. <laughs> and it's just so good. I just uh, I'm I honestly like I, I've i been that man loves to post. I've I've been saying it from day one. Let the man post like I personally don't think it's any better for um for these guys to like hide in the dark. I think it's, I think if they're going to have these opinions, they should post them all the time and we should all get to laugh at them, but that's just him. The NHL account. Absolutely. Overstate what happened. Adam Gonnett posted his opinions. 
we made fun of him and now he doesn't have those opinions anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's our, uh, uh, we're the reason. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it's funny. The whole thing. I have no idea. Adam Gaudet was, um, was the, uh, was a guy that I wanted to mention for a very specific reason that I'll get to in a minute, but it is funny how, like, it does seem like Adam Gaudet has, has really walked back a lot of the stuff that he was tweeting about as a teenager. And that I, I do, I am starting to buy the idea that he is like, probably not MAGA anymore and maybe never even was, and was maybe more just like, like a 17 year old shithead who's, you know, insulated from the realities of these policies. Around and probably who's probably doing school. like, yeah, exactly. Ironic, like, just, just, like transgressive, like not ironic, like transgressive racism for the sake of being transgressive. Like, and, and also just yeah. probably parroting some shit that his parents thought or other people. Yeah, I, I do. I do legitimate. I do buy like the fact that, I mean, first of all, it's not like any of us actually thought his number was 88 because 88 <laughs> means Heil Hitler. <laughs> hey, man, it was just funny just to say that. Asking questions. Exactly. We were just asking questions. Which is the the highest form of posting is to just ask questions. But um, I did just want to highlight uh, one thing that I uh, just thought was hilarious, which is on the day that the whatever you want to, I I don't want to call this thing a coup. Like that's it, that feels like I feel you're going to do a perfectly coup, good word, which would be attempted coup. Yes. Or does that like it seems like people were really resistant to this phrase, and it was like. You guys, it seems like the right word. I mean, it, it was, I guess, an attempted coup, but it was the most half-assed attempted coup of all time in the sense that, like, if you were going to, if you were seriously going to yeah. do a coup and had the potential to do it for real and succeed, you would not be posting about it on Instagram. You would not be taking selfies. You know, you know, you know what these fucking people are? They're rap snitches. Actually, that's pretty good. They're serious. They're <laughs> fucking rap stitches. They were like, "Yeah, we're we're the ones doing the crimes right here." Thank you. Telling all their business. That's right. Yes. The court, their own star witness. <laughs> they were their own star witness. Yeah. Um. But I uh, on the day of the uh, on the day of RIP the MF coup, all caps. Whatever, yeah. RIP MF Doom. Um. Wonderful man. Uh. Uh. On the day of the attempted coup or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Adam Gaudet had the tweet of the day, which was just the U.S. needs Batman, <laughs> which I that think was so cool. This perfectly encapsulates <laughs> the actual type of guy that Adam Gaudet is, which is a guy who which is, is not just very smart. JD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also like that also revealed to me that he had a logo which was such a terrible logo. Oh, and yeah. I think, Elliot, you said that you were squinting hard to look for a swastika. In there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think there would be one, but I couldn't rule it out. There were so many right angles. <laughs> I also in thought Adam it was funny. Fashion, it could have happened accidentally. Yes, too. exactly. Yes, I also thought it was funny, Elliot, that you were like, I really want to make fun of this logo, but I'm scared that I might know the person who designed it. <laughs> 
I thought that was Vias, but that might have been me. It might have been, yeah. It yeah, been. I. That, that's why I had to like message Georgia. And be like, I don't think it's you, but I just am going to. Well, check. I mean, yeah, because what Georgia does is good, better, <laughs> much better. Yeah, um, but, but maybe Adam got a game for very, very specific instructions that precluded true, yeah. being good. Or, Georgia's or a pro. Just even somebody else, like nice from Twitter that we kind of know, did it. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I just, I mostly just wanted to if anybody hasn't seen that tweet it's my favorite tweet of all time so i just wanted to get that out there anything else you guys wanted to get to this week or any you know psas or anything like that um go read the jakarta method my mind's blown i have somehow had the time to read so many books in the last two weeks and make up for uh, the the lack of any leisure reading i get to do in law school and that book's fucking amazing jakarta method by vincent bevins um plug that ca- that qualifies as a plug. Yeah. yeah okay, I got that one for today. I got that one for Christmas and I'm excited to read it. It's unfortunately like probably fourth on my list right now, maybe even fifth, but I'm really excited to uh, mm. to get to it. And I also um I was about to hold it up, but I realized my camera's not on, but um, I'm looking at it right now. I also just got my copy of Canada in the world, settler capitalism and the colonial imagination by former guest on the show, Tyler Shipley. And I'm very excited to read that as well. Uh, I'm excited for things to get better, which is a thing that I actually believe might happen now, uh, which is pretty bad right now. So like, it's believable that they could get slightly better. Yeah, Absolutely. So here's to 2021 and things being slightly better. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Valson McDonald. You can follow me at Vyasaran. You can follow me at Moose Kayak. Don't forget to follow the pod at Roxy Fever. And, um, you know, we're going to start things off on a positive note. No hate mail this week. <laughs> no hate mail today. Just, um, you know, be safe, be good. And, uh, Read that Patrick Johnson article. Yo. Yo. MF Doom. Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic. Villain. What up, nigga? Hey, nothing. What's the word? It's cracking, boy. Same old shit, kid. Man. Rap snitches, man. Shit is bugged out, man. What the fuck, man? Shit, telling me. Niggas running their mouth. Talk. Telling anything. Anything. Rap snitches, telling all their business Sit in the court and be their own star witness Do you see the perpetrator? Yeah, I'm right here, fuck around Get the whole label sent up for years, uh Rap snitches, telling all their business Sit in the court and be their own star witness Do you see the perpetrator? Yeah, I'm right here, fuck around Get the whole label sent up for years, uh. Tight profile, low, like eight and paid in full Attract heavy cash, cut the game centrifugal Mr. Fantastic, long though like elastic Got my life with twin glocks that's made out of plastic can stand a brown nosing nigga, fake ass bastard. Admiring my style, tall bust through Manhattan, plotting, playing the quickest. My flow's the sickest, my hoes be the thickest, my dro the stickiest. Street nigga, stamped and bona fide. When beef jump, niggas come get me, cause they know I ride. True to the ski mask, New York's my origin. Play a fake gangster like an old accordion. According to him, when the D's rushed in, complication from the wild testimony was thin. Caused this man to go up and off the board, hit him again. Lame rap snitch, nigga, even told on the man. Mexican rap snitches telling all their business, sit in the court and be their own star witness. Do you see the perpetrator? Yeah, I'm right here. Fuck around, get the whole label sent up for years. Rap snitches telling all their business, sit in the court and be their own star witness. Do you see the perpetrator? Yeah, I'm right here. Fuck around, get the whole label sent up for years. True, there's rules to this shit. 
fools dare care Everybody wanna rule the world with tears for fear Yeah, yeah, tell them tell it on the mountain hill Running up they mouth bill, everybody doubting still Informer, keep it up and get tested Pop through your bubble vest or double breasted He keep a lab down south in the little beast So much heat you would've thought it was the Middle East A little grease always keeps the wheels a-spinning Like sitting on 23's to get the squealers grinning Hitting on many trees, feel real linen Spitting on enemies, get the steel for ten men With no brains but gum flap He said his gun clap, then he fled after one slap Sun shut the trap, save it for the bitches Mmm, delicious, rap snitch delicious You know what I'm saying? It's terrible. crazy, man. I'm just analyzing this whole game. This is bugged out, man. Niggas snitching. Telling on their own self. It's a horror, Fuck though. around. Gonna get everybody bag, man. Trust Fuck around. Get your mama bag, man. You know your grandma used to be bootlegging. Fake hustling, nigga. <laughs> 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 <laughs>